Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Well, people hold different views about death and eternity, don't they? Some hold uh, the same view that Mr. Burns did. They just ignore it and make jokes about it. Others think that when a person dies, that's all there is. Death is a cessation of life or annihilation. And the person ceases to exist. And if that be true, you might as well just live your life on earth the way you want to live. There's no, no need to even be here today. Just go out and have a ball. Others believe that hell is their life on earth. You probably heard them say it. This is hell. You know, my life on earth is a literal hell. Or that's what their idea of hell is. It can't get worse than this. And that's why some people are tempted to take their own lives. Because they figure that once I'm dead, it's all over. I'm at peace. And that's it. Others think that Reincarnation is a reality. And what they believe in is that they'll, their spirit will float, their soul will float in space until the time comes that a rebirth in a new body or life form will be experienced. That's what they think. It's American, I guess we're allowed to think what we want to think and believe what we want to believe. But I've... I've I personally believe that my need is to find out what a higher authority has to say about things that are too high for me. What about you? I'd rather find out what God has to say about it. And the Lord Jesus Christ, I believe, is a good teacher and a good example. And the reason why I believe He is the one that's qualified to teach us about life, death, and eternity is because He is the only one who can say, I came from heaven to the earth, he suffered and died on the cross, entered into hell, arose from the dead on the third day, ascended with his own blood in the heavenly holy place after appearing unto many, and then went back into heaven after he offered his blood, came back and said, told everybody what he had done, and then went back and ascended on high and sat down at the Father's right hand. Now, if anybody knows anything about death and eternity, I, I believe he should. Yeah. What about you? Amen. I'd like to hear what he has to say, not someone else. And so, our study will... In, Involved listening to some things that Jesus said about death and hell. And again, I remind you, the title is, There is a Hell to Shun. In verse 19 of chapter 16, Luke's Gospel, there was a certain rich man. Everybody say certain. Notice there was. This is not a parable. This is a true life story. There was a certain rich man. Now, either there was or there wasn't, which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was, now either there was or there wasn't, notice a certain, a definite individual, a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table, moreover the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. 
the rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivedest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And beside all this, between us and you there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house, for I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Abraham saith unto him, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. Now, this is the Lord Jesus Christ revealing to us the realities of life after death. Revealing truths about hell and about other places that exist even though we may not see those places with our natural eyes. And if we were to study the whole thing out, these are some of the things you'll discover from what he taught here. First of all, he taught that death is not a cessation of life. You will notice as you read through this particular these verses of Scripture, that at the time of death, the, the beggar was carried by angels into Abraham's bosom. Now, his body wasn't carried there. His spirit and soul were carried there. His body was left in the grave. But his spirit and soul were carried into Abraham's bosom, which is a place beneath the earth in the place called Hades. Hades was comprised of hell, in Abraham's bosom, another place called Tartarus, and we won't get into all that. But these are places or compartments beneath the earth, according to the teachings of God's Word. The other man, the rich man, when he died, his spirit and soul went into this place called hell. So apparently at the time of death, one does not cease to exist. One still exists, even though his body has been left behind. Now, the spirits of those that were looking to God were carried into, at that time, Abraham's bosom, where, as the Scripture says, they were what? Comforted. So then Abraham's bosom was a compartment beneath the earth. There was a great gulf fixed between that compartment and the compartment of what we call hell. And in the place of hell, that man was tormented and the other man was comforted. Isn't that what Jesus taught? Now, since that time, to make a long story short, since that time, Jesus rose from the dead and he emptied that compartment called Abraham's bosom or paradise in the lower parts of the earth and they were all resurrected, taken out of that place and they went up to be with him in heaven. See, they couldn't come out of that place before Jesus' resurrection. You understand that. If they could have, why did Jesus have to come and die? He wouldn't have had to, would he? But he had to do that. So that place is now empty. And so let's forget about Abraham's bosom for a while. But it was a place of comfort and the other is a place of what? Of torment. So hell then is a literal place where the perpetuation of spiritual death and conscious unending torment is enforced. 
That's what hell is. There's a present hell and a final hell, and we'll talk about that a little bit too. But suffice it to say that there is a present hell right now, which is a place of conscious, unending torment, where spiritual death, which is separation from God, will be perpetuated in this place. Thirdly, we discover this in verse 24. Look at verse 24. And he cried out and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. In other words, there is remorse where in vain one pleads for mercy and for relief. Listen carefully. It says right here, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. Notice again the word, for I am tormented. Tormented in this flame. See, people think that life on earth is hell. and That's all there is to hell. But that's not true. There isn't anything we experience on earth that can even begin to identify with the torments of this place called hell. This literal place called hell. Hades, Gehenna, whatever you choose to use, whatever term. Just be it understood, it is a literal place. It is a place where spiritual death is perpetuated in the form of eternal torment. And it's conscious. We also discover it's a place where people see. He saw Father Abraham. It's a place where they talked. They cried out for mercy. He cried out for relief. He cried out for Lazarus to come and cool his tongue. It's also a place where people are confined, which kind of blows the theory that you're just going to float about and go whatever, do whichever you want to do and come back and be a frog or something like that. Doesn't it? It's a place where they are confined because it says in both places, we can't pass over to you and you can't pass over to here. Once you go there, you go there and stay there. And once you go to the other place, that's where you're at. And that's all there is to it. Can you say Amen. So we see that to be true. It's also a place where emotional anxiety and concern for living loved ones is experienced. He said to Father Abraham, I've got five brothers on earth and I don't want them to come here. You think he was talking about the grave? Like so many think today that death or hell is the grave? His body was in the grave. He wasn't concerned if their bodies went into the grave. He was concerned about their spirit and soul entering into this place called hell, the place of torment, right? All of a sudden, he has concern. It's amazing to me, beloved, how people can live on the earth and not be conscious of a literal hell and not be concerned to tell their loved ones. But once they get down there, they're concerned and they're living in anxiety and the consciousness of the fact that their loved ones might come here. That's amazing, isn't it? It really is how things change when you get on that side. I want you to turn with me, if you would please, to the book of Matthew in chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8. Here also we have more teachings from the Lord Jesus Christ revealing to us what this place called hell is all about. Is hell just the grave? Well, apparently not, because Jesus said it's a place of conscious, unending torment and separation from God. In Matthew chapter 8, 
in verse 12, But the children of the kingdom shall be cast into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I had some lady tell me one time she was going to go into hell and she was going to play cards with the devil. She was in her 80s. Actually, I, I was being kind. She said, I'm going to play strip poker with the devil. That's what she actually said to me. It would be funny if it wasn't so pathetic. This is somebody's grandma who's 80-some years old. I just got done preaching a funeral service and explained about, you know, life, death, and eternity. And she came up to me and she said, just with a smile from ear to ear, I know where I'm going. I was a young boy to her. She's in her 80s. You know, I'm just a young boy. I know where I'm going. And she smiled from ear to ear. I thought, one, a, bre a breath of fresh air. Some elderly woman just knows she's going to go to heaven and be with Jesus. <laughs> and she looked me square eyeball to eyeball. And she says, I'm going straight to hell. And I'm going to play strip poker with the devil. My eyes got bigger than you've ever seen them get. <laughs> I looked her right eyeball to eyeball. And I said, you don't have to. You don't have to. She wasn't concerned about that. She was proud about what she was doing. I didn't see anything about any having a good time down there like so many think they're going to go with their buddies and have a good time. I said, right over here, there's weeping. There's weeping like people have never heard before. There's gnashing of teeth. You know what that means? Grinding together of the teeth in agonizing pain. It is so horrid and it's so horrible that all they can do is grind and weep and wail, which you'll see. If you look at uh, another verse in Matthew 13 and verse 42, Jesus says a few more things here. 13:42, And shall cast them into a furnace of fire. So now this place called hell now is described by Jesus as a furnace of fire. There shall be wailing... Now we've got weeping, and now we've got wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father, who hath ears to hear, let him hear. Look at verse 49. So shall it be at the end of the world, the angels shall come forth and sever the wicked from among the just, and shall cast them into the furnace of fire, there shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. So in this place of conscious, unending torment, the pain is not just like some think, well, it's just something that's in a person's mind. No, there's actual weeping and wailing and gnashing or the grinding together of teeth in agonizing, awful pain and torment. Now, notice that the others, they went into the glory of God. But these, in outer darkness, this place called hell, where there's weeping, wailing, and gnashing of teeth. Look at Mark's Gospel, chapter 9. Another description of what this place is all about. Mark, chapter 9. And we want to look at verse... 43. And if thy hand offend thee, cut it off. Now, this is Jesus talking. It is better for thee to enter into life maimed than having two hands to go into hell 
into the fire that shall never be quenched. Now it's a place of eternal fire, bitter remorse, and eternal pain. Now let's just stop there just for a moment. And here's what he's telling people alive on earth. It is better to cut off your hand that offends or that would cause you to displease God and go through life with one hand than enter into hell with two hands where the fire will never be quenched. Then he goes on and says a few more things. Let's read on. Where their worm dieth not... And the fire is not quenched. And if thy foot offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter halt into life than having two feet to be cast into hell, into the fire that shall never be quenched, where the worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. And if thine eye offend thee, pluck it out, it is better for thee to enter into the kingdom of God with one eye than having two eyes to be cast into hellfire where their worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. Now, once again, Jesus, who knows about this, is trying to tell people alive on earth, if you think it's bad here on earth, you haven't seen anything yet. There is a place called hell to shun. There is a place called heaven to gain. And he is telling people it's better to cut off those things from your life that would offend, cause you to displease God. It's better to enter into life with one eye, with one hand, being maimed or whatever, than enter into this place called hell where their worm dieth not and the fire is never quenched. Some people thought, well, you might suffer for just a little while. No, where the fire is never quenched, where their worm dieth not, and it's talking about a consciousness of suffering, a consciousness of bitter remorse, a consciousness that I could have accepted Christ, a consciousness of things around me, yet inability to escape them. I want you to turn with me to the book of Isaiah, chapter 66, if you would, please. Now it's a place where the worm dieth not, where the fire shall never be quenched. And Jesus said it's better for us to deny ourselves things in this life and give up things that are precious and valuable to us in this life so as to gain heaven and shun hell. Amen? Amen. Now, in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 66, verse 22, For as the new heavens and the new earth, which I will make, shall remain before me, saith the Lord, so shall your seed and your name remain. And it shall come to pass that from the new moon, from one new moon to another, and from one Sabbath to another, shall all flesh come to worship before me, saith the Lord. Now, that's talking about in this new heavens and this new earth, there's going to be worship of God. And we all believe that. And they'll come from everywhere to worship God. Now, notice this. And they shall go forth and look upon the carcasses of the men 
that have transgressed against me. Listen carefully. For their worm shall not die. That kind of blows a hole in the theory that it's only for a while. Listen carefully. For their worm shall not die, neither shall their fire be quenched. And they shall be an abhorring unto all flesh. What is that telling us? The new earth is going to be equipped with openings where people can look into the eternal sufferings of hell. Where the worm dieth not and the fire shall never be quenched. They will view the consequences, the penalty, and the sufferings of sin. And beloved, as horrifying as it may seem, it appears as though that this is a method that will deter anyone else from ever rebelling against God. Who would want to make a decision to rebel against God in view of that awful sight? You know, I've said that many times. Would to God we can have an open view of hell where you can actually see what it's about. It would really cause people to live right for God, wouldn't it? Well, apparently we have that revealed to us in the Word of God, but also it's going to be there in the new earth. People are going to see. They are going to see the eternal sufferings of those that transgressed and rebelled against God, which is unending torment that is conscious. Look at Revelation chapter 14 because there's something in here. These carcasses, beloved, are, and listen carefully, the resurrected bodies of those in eternal hell. You see, people think that just believers get resurrected bodies. That's not true. There is a resurrection of both the just and the unjust, and those that are unjust will be reunited with their bodies that will be placed in, a, in, in an immortal state. Listen carefully. Their bodies will become immortal also. In other words, they'll not die in a sense that they'll live on forever. They will be reunited with a death-filled body, so to speak. I know it's a misnomer, so to speak, but because they're full of death. But listen carefully. They will have bodies that will live forever in the state of death is the better way to say it. Did you get that? See, their spirit and soul is in hell, but there's going to be a resurrection of their body that will be changed to be a body that will never die in a sense of going back to the dust of the earth, it will be alive in a state of death forever. So those are the carcasses they're looking at. Been, they'll never be destroyed and they'll suffer eternally for the deeds that they did when they were in their body on the earth in rejecting Jesus Christ. And Revelation chapter 14 gives us another description of, of what's going to happen. Look at chapter 14 verse 11. And the smoke of their torment, and the smoke of their torment, and the smoke of their torment, and the smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever. And they have no rest, day nor night, who worship the beast and his image, and whosoever receiveth the marks of his name. In that place, those that sided with the devil will all be in this place called hell. It'll be the lake of fire or the second death, and we'll get to that in a minute. Their carcasses will be in torment 
Now, imagine this. As a human being, how do you feel when you have no rest, day or night? Chipper, right? Top of the morning, right? How do you feel when you're not resting, day or night? Frustrated, miserable, horrible, I mean, I mean like a zombie, walking around like a zombie, right? How do you feel with emotional pain? Deep emotional pain. How do you feel? No rest, day or night. How do you feel in physical pain? Throbbing physical pain. Open wounds and sores that will never go away. They'll always be there, but the body won't die. People will cry out for mercy. They will cry out for relief. They'll be in this torment, eat physically, spiritually, emotionally, without rest, and the smoke of their torment will ascend forever. Look at Revelation chapter 20. There is a hell to shun. Verse 10. And the devil that deceiveth them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are, and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. I believe it's emphatic about day and night, day and night, day and night, day and night. Because, you know, when you go to bed at night, something tells you in your mind, when I wake up in the morning, everything's going to be all right. Come on. Oh, my head, you know, you know, but when I wake up in the morning, man, I'm going to get some rest. I'm going to feel better in the morning. Amen. It's okay. Tomorrow's going to be a better day. No, there's not going to be a better day. The torment will remain day and night, day and night, day and night, forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever, unending, never ceasing. A person is not annihilated. A person does not cease to exist. A person is in a perpetual state of spiritual death where they will suffer the torments of hell. Read on. And I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. And there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. I saw the dead stand before God. I saw the dead stand before God. And the books were open. And another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. And death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. Now remember I said there's a present hell. See, this is talking about the spirit and soul that is in the present hell. And then the body that comes out of the grave, or if your ashes were spread over the oceans, it doesn't matter. God knows where they're at. Can you, can you believe that God's big enough to know that? There's going to be a reunion, a reuniting of the spirit, soul, and body of those that died outside of Christ. And they'll stand before the judgment seat of Christ, and they'll be in a body that will never go back to the dust of the earth, it will be in a perpetual state of death. And they'll be judged according to their works. Death and hell. Now, notice verse 14. And death and hell 
were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. See, there are those that are alive that think when I die, that's the end. No, no, there's a second death. As a matter of fact, we should be well aware of the fact that the Bible teaches at least three deaths. One we understand to be physical death, and that is when the spirit and soul leave the physical body, and the body goes back to the dust of the earth, and the spirit and soul will go into either heaven or hell. Secondly, there is what is termed spiritual death, and that is when the person who is alive, like we're alive right now, the spirit is separated from God, which is called spiritual death. It's alive, but not unto God. It is contaminated with spiritual death. The Bible says he is dead while he lives. We're alive physically, but dead spiritually. So there is spiritual death, which is separation from God. Then thirdly, there is what is termed eternal death. And that is the perpetuation of the state of spiritual death in this place called the second death or the lake of fire that goes on forever in conscious, unending torment. That's called the second death. So there's no cessation of life. There is no reincarnation. It will be as God spoke in His Word. There is a hell to shun. And there is a heaven to gain. Those that are saved will enter into the holy presence of God. But those that are unsaved will be in this place of unending torment. Now let's read on just to show you the other side of it. Chapter 21, verse 1. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away and there was no... John saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and, he, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, I am, it is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of, of the water of life freely. He that overcometh shall, shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and shall, he shall be my son. But the fearful, the unbelieving, and the abominable, murderers, and whoremongers, and sorcerers, and idolaters, and liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. So when one dies physically, having been dead spiritually, he goes into the first hell, the present hell, and that at the end of all things, with the new heavens and the new earth, he is banished from the presence of God to spend his eternity in spiritual death, perpetuated in spirit, soul, and body, in this place called the lake of fire. And I remind you once again, that's where Jesus dumped our sins. That's where Jesus dumped our emotional anguish. And that's where Jesus dumped all of our sicknesses and diseases. And that's where all these will experience in a body that will never die all that suffering. I, I, can you fathom that? Does that register up here in the brain? If we got a little pain here, ouch, this hurts. If you get, ever get burnt with something? Like a lot of mats or something that burns your skin. Boy, that thing just stings for a long time, doesn't it? You ever get a bee sting? Whoo, that little bugger. 
You know what I'm talking about? Just staying there for a while and it just keeps on stinging. Can you imagine your body, your body so overcome with sickness and disease? Remember, an absence of the presence of God. We're talking about no light, no life, no health, no well-being in spirit, soul, or body at all. Total agonizing torment. And the smoke of the torment ascends. Hard to imagine. Go with me to Second Peter, if you would, please. Because there is a reason for this kind of teaching. I believe that Jesus taught more about hell to let people know there is a hell to, to, to shun as well as a heaven to gain. And that people need to be aware of what they are choosing to enter into when they choose to rebel against the living God. Amen? Praise God. In Second Peter, Peter spent much time talking about these truths and warning people. In Second Peter chapter 2 and verse 1, he was warning people that there would be others around teaching you things that you really want to hear in your ears. And he called them false teachers and false prophets. Look at verse 1. But there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. I want you to notice when you hear words like destruction, destroy, perish, perdition, and all that. And many shall follow their pernicious ways, by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. And through covetousness shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you, whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not, and their damnation slumbereth not. For if God spared not the angels that sin... Now, let me stop right there for a moment. There'll be those going around teaching, it's okay, once you're saved by grace, you can do what you want, you can live the way you want, go to church once in a while, just make God happy, pay Him a token visit in the church of your choice, and you'll still make it in the glory. That's a lie from the pit of hell. God doesn't want your presence in church once in a while. He wants your life. He wants your spirit, your soul, and your body dedicated to His service. Can you say amen? That's what He wants. I talked face-to-face -face with someone that told me, I know the, the ultimate truth about grace. I said, what's that? I'm saved by grace and there's nothing I can do to get out of the grace of God. Therefore, I can live like I want to live. I can commit adultery. I can do drugs. I can do anything I want to do and I have no problem. I said, you are deluded and you are deceived. And that's what they're going to teach. Now listen to this. Verse 4, For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell, and deliver them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment, and there's where Tartarus is, but spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, the preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly, and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an example or example unto those that after should live ungodly. So now he's talking about others that thought it was okay to live according to their own deceitful lusts and follow these false teachers that said things other than righteous men like Noah or Abraham or anybody else. Even angels that sinned were cast into hell. Whoa, wait a minute. Angels. 
Hell was not prepared for man. It was prepared for the devil and his angels, Lucifer, who was the anointed cherub of God. Are we seeing this picture? And they want to tell you today that once you're a Christian, you oh, you can do what you want to do. Who are we kidding? Adam was righteous and perfect in a perfect state. He fell, didn't he? Didn't angels fall? Weren't they in a perfect state? You're in a perfect state in Christ. I suggest you stay there. And don't get out. Let's go to chapter 3. There'll be those that teach other doctrines to deceive others and people will follow them and they'll be damned with them. Look at Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 1. This second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance that ye be th- mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord our and Savior. Knowing this, that there shall come in the last days scoffers, walking after their own lusts, and saying, Where is the promise of His coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. Notice the word perished. But the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word, are kept in store reserved under fire against the day of judgment and perdition. Notice the word perdition of ungodly men. But, beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years is a day. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us, word, not willing that any should, notice the word, perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with the great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up, Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be? This is what he is pointing to. All this is going to melt with a fervent heat. There's going to be a change, a new heavens and a new earth. Anything we are striving for or aspiring to in this life that is earthly or of material value is going to melt under this fire. My hopes and dreams that I have that are detached from the plan of God for my life are going to fade away. What kind of a person ought I to be on earth today is what he's saying. And here's what he says. In all holy conversation or lifestyle and godliness, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace, without spot and blameless, and account that the long-suffering of the Lord is salvation. God wants people saved. Let's back up for a moment. You'll notice in that verse 7, it's, it used the word judgment and perdition where you discover the words perdition, destruction, perish, and destroyed, people have taken these words and they have defined them as meaning cease to exist. But that's not true. The Bible doesn't teach that. As a matter of fact, 
in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 9 and verse 17, where it talked about the, the new wine and the old wineskins. Remember that illustration that Jesus used? He says, you don't put new wines in the old wineskins. Otherwise, the new wineskins are going to burst open, the wine is going to be spilled, and the skins are going to perish. Perish didn't mean annihilate. It didn't mean to cease to exist. It just meant it's not being used for its intended purpose. It's ruined. So the wineskins are now ruined and cannot be used for their intended purpose. Listen carefully. Perdition means that the spirit and the soul and the body of the man is going to be ruined and not be used for its intended purpose. Perdition means it will experience separation from God eternally. The spirit will be in a state of spiritual death eternally. The emotions will be under the force of spiritual death and emotional constant pain and torment eternally. The body will also suffer eternal damnation, separation from God with eternal sickness and disease and everything else you can possibly imagine. And you know what? It wasn't intended for any of that. The spirit and soul and body of man were never intended to live separate from God. And that's what he's talking about here. Perdition, destruction, to destroy. These people that are in that place called the lake of fire will be destroyed or ruined forever because they will not fulfill the purpose and the supposed intended of God for their lives. They'll no longer serve what they were designed for, the purpose that they were designed for. In verse 9, I want to reiterate one more time, the Lord is not willing that anyone should perish, enter the state of the second death called the lake of fire. The Lord does not want one, not one, one person to perish, to experience this eternal separation in spirit, soul, and body, to experience the torments and the agonizing sufferings of the lake of fire where the worm dieth not and the fire shall never be quenched and the smoke of their burning carcasses shall ascend forever. God is not willing, but He's long-suffering to wait for people to come and accept Jesus Christ. In 11 through 14, again, He reiterates, I want you to live right and look for the time when there will be a renewal of all things, a new heaven and a new earth, and be diligent to be found in Him without spot and blameless. Look at that verse. 11 again, the very end of it. Be in all holy conversation and godliness. That's how He wants us to live upon this earth. In all holiness of lifestyle. In verse 13, Nevertheless, we according to His promise look for a new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth only righteousness. Look at verse 15. An account that the long-suffering of the Lord is salvation. God does not want us lost. He wants us saved. Verse 16 as also in all his epistles, he's speaking of the Apostle Paul, speaking in them of these things in which some things are hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest, as they do also the other scriptures under their own destruction, their separation eternally from the living God. 
Ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things before, beware. Notice this two-part warning with regard to backsliding. Every person, listen carefully, because, beloved, even those that think they stand need to be careful lest they fall. The Bible teaches us. Listen to what it says. Ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things before, number one, beware. Don't misresent Scripture to fulfill your own lust. Don't misrepresent Scripture to, to, to satisfy your own desires. Don't misinterpret Scripture so that you can live your life the way you want to live your life and think that all is well just because you're religious and attend church once in a while. Be holy in your lifestyle. Serve God fervently. Being led away with the terror of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. If it were not possible that one could fall, why is there a warning? Verse 16. Secondly, first of all, I am to beware. Beware, 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 beware that you can fall, you can fall, you can fall, you can fall, you can fall. Beware. Isn't that what he's saying? Second part. How not to backslide? First, beware. Second, grow in grace. Ask yourself, am I growing? Am I growing? Am I growing in the grace? Beloved, every blessing and every grace of God is in seed form. Every blessing and every grace in Christ is in seed form. Isn't that true? And that seed is planted within our hearts and we must grow in the grace. Everyone dedicated to growing in love and, and growing in faith and growing in the character of Christ. Grow in, the gra in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I am to beware that there is a heaven to gain and there is a hell to shun. And my fight is not over until I depart this life. And as long as I'm breathing in this body, there will be an adversary trying to doom my soul. I am to beware of that. I am to grow in the grace of God. In holiness of lifestyle, knowing that it's all in seed form, I must decrease, He must increase. Not that I'm in the family and that's all I have to do. Don't get run over. Associate yourself with people that beware, that will encourage you to serve God with your life and encourage you to grow in the grace of God. In closing, I want to say there is a heaven to gain. There indeed is a hell to shun. If any of our young people are out there right now, I want you to know your lives are vulnerable. Listen to me carefully. When you're young and you're going through life and you're so involved in all kinds of things, it's easy to have a lighthearted, happy-go-lucky attitude toward life. And I'll tell you something else. To be a second-generation Christian is not an easy thing either because you've been reared up in the church and you think all is well. And you think, because I've followed the God of my parents, I've done what they've said, I've gone to church and all that. Don't 
be deceived into thinking that your heart is on fire for God. I want you to know something, young people out there. God wants to get a hold of your heart with His hand and He wants to take it and mold it into what He wants it to be. You're not okay just because you attend Christian Assembly Church and you've attended all your life and you've, you've gone there with your parents or whatever church you come from. You have a life to live and a fight to fight and you have a devil out there that wants to destroy your life in hell forever. You've got to rise up and you've got to take your stand and you have got to serve Jesus Christ with every part of your being. You've got to put Him first in your life and in all that you set your heart to do. Everything else in your life will come into place. It will fall into place. If you seek the kingdom of God, all these other things will be added to you. But beware, young people. Don't think that just because you attend church, all is well. There is a heaven to gain. There is a hell to shun. And the only way we can gain heaven is by turning our back on the realities of sin. God wants us to serve Him with our lives. Hallelujah. God wants our whole hearts. He wants our spirits to be so full it spills over into our souls. He wants our souls to be so full it spills over into our actions, our bodies, our deeds. God wants us to be consumed with His life. Let's all stand before the Lord. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.